This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Hands-on Mechanical Ventilation by Dr. Gerhard Wolf and Brian Walsh. My name is Dr. Gerhard Wolf. I'm a pediatric intensivist at Children's Hospital Boston, and this is Brian Walsh, one of our respiratory therapists. And we will demonstrate to you how to set up the ventilator for a child with a pneumonia. Initial ventilator setup. This is a three-year-old child that just came in our, in our ED. The weight is 10 kilos and the baby has a community-acquired pneumonia, and we actually intubated him because he was in respiratory failure. And I was wondering, Brian, if you could help me set up the ventilator and take us through uh, what your initial settings are. I'll take sure. over to bag. Come on, bag. <clears throat> so we'll come over to the ventilator, and we'll have a ventilator that's been fully calibrated and checked out. Um, in our unit, we typically will start someone off in SIMV with volume control. We'll set the tidal volume at 8 cc's per kilo, which is 80 uh, mLs for this particular child, uh, a rate of 20 because we're trying to mimic basically what Dr. Wolf is bagging at, um, a PEEP of 5, 100% oxygen, once again because we're on 100% oxygen. Respiratory time is going to be set at 0.65 because that's just kind of physiologic for this particular uh, patient. Pause time is set at 0. The inspiratory rise or how fast we'll deliver the breath is at 0.1. Flow trigger is set at pretty standard at 0.5. Um, inspiratory cycle time off, once again, is pretty standard at 20%, as well as the pressure support of 15. The child is not spontaneously breathing right now, so we'll have to assess those at a later time. We'll hit accept. We'll actually put the patient on now. <coughs> Ready? So we'll disconnect him from the bag, and we'll put him on the ventilator. So we'll go back to the ventilator and we'll check to make sure that we're actually pressurizing the circuit or and the patient. We'll look for chest rise and fall um, and we'll ensure that everything is uh, working appropriately. You can see that our peak pressure is um, a little bit on the high side, but anything below 30 we tend to be happy with. Our mean airway pressure is 9, our PEEP is 5, our respiratory rate is 21, our FIO tube is uh, 98%, and our minute ventilation is 1.5. Um, because that, the tidal volume of uh, inspiratory and expiratory tidal volumes are roughly at 80, uh, which shows that we don't have much of a leak. Point of clarification. A leak around the endotracheal tube can be caused by either an endotracheal tube that is too small for the patient, using an uncuffed tube with high ventilator pressures, not inflating the endotracheal tube cuff, or pilot balloon adequately or more rarely, a pneumothorax. You can detect this leak on the ventilator by looking at inspired versus exhaled tidal volumes. If there is a large difference between the two volumes and the exhaled tidal volume is much less than the inspired tidal volume, then a leak is present. So let's look at the vital signs. The heart rate of this baby is 117 at the moment with a blood pressure of 96 over 69. Or the arterial line that we just placed, uh, the respiratory rate is 26, and uh, there is an entitled CO2 waveform, and there is a number and a waveform, which is a 
uh, waveform over time. So with the entitled CO2 is at the moment 44. And there's also a nice square waveform, which is sort of reassuring at this point. So um, the SAD is 99%. Um, do you think we can wean it a little bit? Where, yeah, so I would, I would wean it? probably uh, uh, in 10% increments. And so we'll go to 90% right now. And we'll try to target a, a saturation just greater than 92 at this particular moment in time. Why are you worried about giving the baby 100% oxygen at this point? I mean, we started with 100% on the bag, and the initial setting was 100% as well. Are you worried about oxygen toxicity at this Absolutely. point? Absolutely. That's, that's the thing that we try to, to, to avoid. And so uh, we feel comfortable if we can get the child below uh, 60%. Um, if we're above 60%, then we would likely um, make some manipulations in the ventilator to try to improve FRC. So I suggest we give it a couple of minutes, and then we'll come back to the ventilator settings. Recruitment phase. I'm at the chance to get a chest X-ray, which uh, you're looking at at the moment. On this chest X-ray, we can see uh, that there is bilateral opacities over the lung field. The lung volumes look low. Uh, the endotracheal tube is in the right position, and uh, the heart size looks normal to me. So let's take a look at the baby. A couple of things have changed. The baby seems to be a little sicker, as we assumed in the beginning. Um, just looking at the baby's perfusion, the baby's uh, slightly cool, the pulses are weak, the baby is a little more tachycardic than before. Uh, I listen to the lungs again, there's uh, crackles on both sides and the air entry is uh, kind of diminished. Also there's less of a chest, uh, chest rise than there was before. Let's just take a look at the vital signs. The heart rate is 130 now, the baby's a little more tachycardic. I think the baby might get a little septic. Um, the blood pressure is still okay. Uh, 90 over 60 with the uh, mean arterial blood pressure of being 70. So I think we have a compensated situation here. The blood pressure is still normal, but the baby is tachycardic, so it's probably a compensated shock at the moment. Also, the SATs went down. They're only 86 at the moment. We still have an entitled CO2, but it's gone up a little bit uh, from the low 40s to the higher 40s. So, Brian, what can we do uh, on the ventilator to make this baby better? So another thing is we're now getting a high peak pressure alarm in volume control ventilation, which is showing that our compliance is worsening. So I'd like to recommend that we go to pressure control ventilation and choose a little bit more lung protective strategies of 6 cc's per kilo tidal volumes as we are at 8 right now. So uh, in summary, you have the same volumes still programmed because we were in volume control, but to achieve those volumes you had to use higher and higher pressures were chosen by the ventilator. So now we've... Uh, uh, switched over to pressure control ventilation. Um, we adjusted the pressure for uh, 20 over 5 or 25 over 5. Point of clarification. The peak inspiratory pressure, or P-peak, as it appears on many ventilators, is equal to the sum of the set inspiratory pressure and the PEEP on the ventilator. If one wishes to obtain the delta pressure, simply subtract the PEEP from the peak inspiratory pressure. Um, now our tidal volumes are, uh, we're trying to shoot for 60 cc's, um, which would be 6 per kilo. And so I'm going to adjust the peak and start pressure up just a, a little bit more um, to try to achieve that. And so I think we've gotten transition to pressure control uh, appropriately, um, but I'm still concerned about the saturations of 85 to 86% on 100%. So the SATs are low, are in the mid-80s on 100% oxygen. How are we going to fix that? So I would suggest that we go up on the PEEP, um, and so we can go up um, by increments of two um, to see if we can actually get the saturations to improve. 
Those might not immediately happen. It might take a little bit of uh, time to actually re-recruit the lung because when we actually go up on the peep, we're actually taking the plateau pressure up as well, and hopefully that'll open the lung a little bit. So you're going up with the peep uh, to recruit more lung volume, to have uh, atelectasis uh, opening up, and to hopefully have more lung units participate in gas exchange than are right now. Point of clarification. Now, I'm going to show you an actual pressure volume curve generated by an isolated set of sheep lungs. So here we are at zero centimeters inflating pressure. And this represents the isolated lung preparation. And you'll note that there's not much aerated lung. This does not look like a healthy uh, gas exchanging organ. Now we're going to slowly increase the airway pressure to four centimeters, eight centimeters. And notice at the bottom of this slide uh, are the corresponding pressure volume points generated by this uh, pressure volume maneuver. Now it's not until we get to 12 centimeters of water that the lung begins to open and we see healthy gas exchanging regions of lung appear. And here's a lung at 16 centimeters of water. The lung now looks open and it looks like uh, a healthy lung. This is total lung capacity defined in this experiment as 20 centimeters of water. Now importantly, watch what happens to the lung as we march down the deflation limb of the pressure volume curve. This is 16 centimeters of water, 12 centimeters of water, 8 centimeters of water, 4 centimeters of water. So once we recruit the lung, we can significantly decrease distending pressure and not experience alveolar collapse. So we're on 7 of PEEP and still on 100%. The SAT really hasn't gone up any. Uh, do you think we should go up again? Yep, I think we should. Maybe we can just go to 10 right now and see if we can actually improve those saturations. So at this point, we are titrating the PEEP essentially to improve oxygenation. Uh, so we've gone up from 5 to 7 to 10 of PEEP uh, with the hope that the baby will have better SATs and we're still on 100% oxygen. So since you set the delta on this ventilator, the peak inspiratory pressure also went up, right? Correct. So what are we on right now? So this is 30 over 10. And did the volumes change at all? So the volumes actually got a little bit better. Um, they're about uh, 64 or so, and we might be able to lower our peak inspiratory pressure um, as well with that to try to keep it around 60 cc's. So at this point, we kept the delta the same. So how do you explain that the tidal volumes actually went up when the delta P is actually the same? So hopefully we're recruiting lung um, as, as we go through those. So we're improving FRC and keeping the lung from getting adelotatic. Um, and so it, it allows us to ventilate with less pressure. So we may actually go to, hopefully, to a more beneficial part of the pressure volume curve here by using more PEEP. One of the other things I would also recommend that we uh, lower our threshold so that we can try to lower our FiO2 as well to, uh, to achieve SATs of 88 to 92. Point of clarification. Please note, there are a couple of reasons why you may want to change the oxygen saturation range to 88 to 92 in patients who require greater than 60% oxygen and have evolving acute respiratory distress syndrome. This is done to lower the risk of oxygen toxicity and lower ventilator pressure such as positive and expiratory pressure. This simple change will lower the oxygen content but maintain the content within normal limits if your hemoglobin level is normal. Choosing a lower oxygen saturation target allows for optimization of the ventilator with the least associated injury. Certainly contraindications to lowering your saturation ranges would be anemia and pulmonary hypertension in which oxygen is being utilized as a vasodilator.
stabilization phase. All right, so we're back at the bedside. We were able to grab an arterial blood gas from the art line, and the blood gas is, uh, the pH is 730, uh, the PaCO2 is 53, and the PaO2 is 59, which uh, probably matches our SAT because the SAT is 90, and we expect the PaO2 to be around 60. So, Brian, are you happy with that gas, or do you think we have to... No, unfortunately, we're still on 100%, and so I think that uh, there's some more lung recruitment that we probably need to do. Um, so I would, I would recommend that we go up on the PEEP again. Okay, that sounds like a good idea, with the hope that we can wean the FIO2 from 100% at some point. So in general, what blood gases are we aiming for here? Uh, this isn't a bad gas if it wasn't on 100%. I mean, at some point, we would... Uh, uh, sort of accept, accept some acidosis. I think as long as the pH is 7 to 5 or higher, we would uh, accept some higher uh, CO2s, and we'd hope for um, PaCO2, uh, PaO2s in the, in the 60s, which would be, as I said, around 90, which is sort of the permissive hypercapnia and permissive uh, hypoxia strategy. And uh, explain to us why that is lung protective. Would allow us to actually choose those six cc's per kilo tidal volumes uh, because ultimately it's our minute ventilation that a lot of times helps with CO2 removal. And so when we have six cc's per kilo tidal volumes, um, occasionally you'll have to go up on the rate um, to actually help compensate for that or accept a higher CO2, um, uh, such as uh, CO2s in the 50s and even low 60s. So we just went up to 12 on the PEEP and we're still on 100%. Do you think we should uh, go up once again and get a blood gas? Yeah, let's go on up to 15. Plateau phase. So after the last vent change, uh, we were actually able to get a blood gas, and things have improved a little bit here. Uh, the baby's sat has gone up to 100%, and the last blood gas was uh, a pH of 732, and the CO2 is 53, and the PaO2 has improved from 59 to 110. So I think with the uh, last maneuver that we increased the PEEP, we actually probably achieved some lung recruitment. And do you think it's time to wean a little bit? Absolutely. I think we should probably go to 90% uh, on the oxygen and just monitor our SATs and continue to go down in 10% increments uh, every 10 to 15 minutes as long as our SATs are 88 to 92. So we'll actually continue to wean the FIO2 at this point, leave the PEEP where it is with the hope to get closer to 60%? Correct. And what else happened? Another thing is I'm still concerned about is our peak inventory pressure is still 37, um, and it's above that 30 to 35 range that we like to, to avoid. And so one of the things that I would recommend is that we go down to 5 per kilo on our tidal volumes um, to help accomplish that. And so, how would you do that? So we could go down on our delta pressure to 18 um, to actually lower our tidal volumes to roughly 50 cc's. But because uh, I'm a little bit concerned about we're on the borderline of our uh, permissive hypercapnia and our CO2s are in the 50s, um, I would probably go up on the rate to help uh, compensate for that lower tidal volume. And so we'll go up to the rate of 22 or so um, and watch our entitled CO2s as, uh, as they likely will climb a little bit. So in summary, as we've increased the PEEP to improve oxygenation in this baby, We've also increased the peak inspiratory pressure since our delta P has stayed the same at 20. And uh, we've gotten to a range above 35 where we were slightly uncomfortable with the high plateau pressures. So we decreased the delta a little bit and that brought our tidal volumes down. And we're now accepting 5 per kilo. 
uh, but that also brought our peak inspiratory pressure down from 37 to 35. And in order to make up a little bit for that minute ventilation and not get, let the baby get too acidotic, we actually increased the rate as we decreased the tidal volume before in order to have the baby uh, ventilate a little better. Weaning phase. So let's take a look at the ventilator. We've been able to make some weans, and let's see what happened. So it looks like we're on 60% now um, with sats of 96 or so. Um, and so it looks like we have a, a little bit of um, opportunity to wean uh, some more. So what would, we, what would we wean at this point? Um, I guess we would consider uh, whether we should wean the peep or not um, at this particular uh, standpoint. So like at this point you have achieved adequate oxygenation, um, probably adequate lung recruitment because you were able to wean the FIO2 from 100 to 60 percent and your SATs are 95, we could get a gas, but uh, it's probably time to wean the peep a little bit, especially in the setting of high plateau pressures, I agree. Great. So we can turn down the peep for so one. Wean so the <coughs> peep a touch, so we're on 60% oxygen, a peep of 14, a delta of 20, which gives us a peak pressure of 34, and we're at a rate of 22. And let's we are on pretty high mean airway pressure. What is the mean at this point? It's 19. So the mean, again, is determined by the, the mean is the pressure area under the pressure waveform. So it's determined by the peak pressure, by the, by the peep, uh, but also by the inspiratory time. And so uh, given that we have a peak pressure of 34 and a peep of 14, it's not surprising that the peep, the mean airway pressure is 19 at this point. And I think much of that mean airway pressure is probably transmitted to the heart at this point and may actually uh, decrease preload of this baby because some of that pressure is actually compressing their right atrium. Also we have to keep in mind the baby has an ammonia, has been a little septic in the first place, so we've given additional volume, we've given a 20 cc per kilo volume bolus because the heart rate had been up in order to stabilize the blood pressure and I would have a low threshold to start the baby on an inotrope as well such as dopamine at this point because I think we have to uh, think about supporting the heart at this point uh, given that we're on pretty high ventilator pressures and especially the right ventricle may need some help here uh, to uh, pump some volume against this ventilator load. So we're two days into this by now. Some of the antibiotics have apparently kicked in. Uh, the baby is more stable and also we've been able to make some progress on the ventilator. So Brian, what were we able to wean? So it looks like we're down to 50% oxygen uh, with sats of 93. Our PEEP is now down to 10 from uh, an ultimate high of 15. Our respiratory rate has been stable at 22 and our peak or our pressure control is down to 17 from 18 which gives us a peak inspiratory pressure of 27 and once again below that threshold of 30 that we kind of like to keep it below. Those, uh, those pressures are actually giving us tidal volumes of 6 per kilo um, which is showing us that the lung compliance is actually improving quite a bit. It also looks like our entitled CO2 is down to 40 or so, and so we'll just keep watching that and continue to wean as the lung compliance improves. Um, um. So a couple of things happened here. The baby's oxygenation got better. Um, we probably recruited the lung in the first place, and now we need lower pressures to keep the lung open. And uh, we are settled here on a PEEP of 10 with 50% oxygen. What do you think, Brian? Should we uh, encourage the baby to breathe spontaneously a little more? And Absolutely. And use some of his own respiratory triggering? Yep. 
we would like to get the child to, to breathe spontaneously as much as possible uh, because we think that that will be the best thing for him and ultimately get him over to a pressure support type mode of ventilation. So we're five days into this now. The baby has been on the ventilator for five days. Let's look at the chest x-ray from this morning. It is actually much improved. You can see the lung fields are clearing up. There is less opacification and the lung volumes are a little better. Brian, how are we doing in the ventilator? What's happening? It looks like we're doing pretty well. We're down to an FiO2 of 45%. Our PEEP is now 7. Um, we've lowered the mandatory rates to 10, meaning that the child is breathing spontaneously quite a bit on his own. And then also the, the pressure control is at 17, giving us a peak pressure of 24. You can see that the child is breathing spontaneously between controlled breaths. And so that was a controlled breath, and this is now a spontaneous breath. And so it looks like the child is moving towards the extubation phase. So what do you think? Are we ready to extubate this child pretty soon? I think he's definitely ready for an extubation readiness test. And our criteria for extubation readiness test would be an FiO2 of less than 50%, which we are at 45, a PEEP less than 8, um, and the patient is spontaneously breathing. So I think it's worth a try to see if uh, uh, this child will actually pass an extubation readiness test. Extubation readiness test. Let's talk about the criteria for extubation a little bit. First of all, I think we want to ensure that the baby is still hemodynamically stable, which the baby is, has good perfusion and good blood pressures. It's not an inotropes. We want to make sure that uh, this is the case because we don't want to take the breathing tube out and then we have hypotension and we need to reintubate in that uh, circumstance. Uh, also, we want to make sure the baby is awake. So uh, the baby should be uh, somewhat moving, uh, open the eyes uh, occasionally, and be sort of uh, breathing on the ventilator. Because one of the uh, reasons why babies or children will fail extubation is that uh, they are too sedated. So we want to make sure the baby is awake. Also, we want to test that there is a leak around the intertracheal tube. We do that by letting the cuff down uh, and just taking a we'll, we'll take a listen here. Uh, to see if there's a leak. Um, that uh, sometimes helps us assess if there's uh, still airway swelling in place, especially after the baby got a lot of volume. And then we look at the parameters on the ventilator, and I think we're on 45% oxygen here. We're on 10 over 7. The patient here has an endotracheal tube of 3.5, so we'll use a certain delta to overcome the resistance of the tube. So we're on 10 over 7 here, 45%. The baby seems to be awake, breathing spontaneously. Um, we'll make sure that the baby's uh, NPO hasn't had any feeds for about six to eight hours. And then we'll check a blood gas. And the blood gas will tell us if the baby's ready. Another thing we look at frequently when we wean the children to minimal settings, one of the first indicators that they will fail is tachypnea. So we do want to make sure that the respiratory rate is still comfortably in the 20s. When we do drop the settings and the baby is not ready to be extubated, we sometimes see that, that the respiratory rate goes up to 30 or 40, which means probably that they don't get enough volume. They try to increase their rates to maintain the minute ventilation, and we'll probably need another day um, to fine-tune the settings until the baby is ready for extubation. Endotracheal tube leak test. We will demonstrate to you how we test for a leak around the endotracheal tube. I have a syringe here. Brian is actually bagging the patient at the moment. So I will let the cuff down. I will deflate the cuff. And then Brian will test for a leak. So at the moment, he's bagging the baby. 
and he's listening here um, around the airway, and what he's looking for, if he has any evidence of air going out beside the endotracheal tube. And uh, he has the bag in the hand, and he's looking at the manometer, and so the pressure at which he hears the air going by the endotracheal tube is the leak pressure. So what did he hear? So he appears to have a leak at 20. Which means you were inflating the child or the bag to a pressure of 20, and that's where you heard an air leak. Correct. We tested the baby for a leak, and we had a leak at around 20 centimeters of water. That means uh, we're probably comfortable that there is uh, enough room around the endotracheal tube, so if we take the tube out, there won't be a lot of swelling, and that wouldn't cause strider or airway compromise. So if Brian had tested this child, and he wouldn't have heard a leak at 40, this would be an indication that this tube is actually still fitting pretty tight, and we have to ask ourselves why that is. Sometimes a child is intubated with an endotracheal tube that is too large, in which case we would not expect a leak to occur. But if we think that the tube is sort of the right size, it is kind of curious if there is no leak at a, high mean air, at a high airway pressure. So we would look into reasons for that and may delay extubation for a day, <clears throat> potentially give steroids in order to have the swelling come down. Extubation. All right, so we've determined that this child is now ready for extubation. Uh, the child is awake enough, uh, the feeds have been stopped, and uh, the baby is on low settings, and we're happy with the blood gas. So uh, we've gathered here to extubate the child, actually, and we've assembled a little bit of equipment that we may need that we just would like to go over. Uh, so the baby is still on a ventilator, but Brian has a, a self-inflating bag here. We picked a mask that fits the face of this patient in case we have to bag mask ventilate. We have a syringe to deflate the cuff, and we have a suction catheter um, through which we can suction the endotracheal tube. Supplemental oxygen here. So, Brian, shall we go ahead? Yep. So we'll disconnect the child from the ventilator, and we'll manually ventilate him. And pre-oxygenate. So actually, I'll take one more listen. Yeah, we have excellent air entry. So let's go ahead and extubate. Okay. Let's go ahead and suction out his tube. You want to suction the tube first? Yeah. Okay. How many passes do we do? Just make one and see what we so get. So we go down, see if we get stuff coming up. We get very little. And why do we do that? Just to ensure that there's not anything down there that, uh, that he can't cough up when we extubate. Okay, so the tube was paid and there's nothing down there. We'll switch over to our Yankar, clean out his mouth. All right. So we, we attempt to suction his oropharynx and uh, also try to uh, suction above the cuff. All right. What is next? So now we'll take the syringe and deflate the cuff. The cuff is deflated. Then we'll take the tape. And because infants or children don't follow directions very well, we can't get them to actually cough this out. And so what we'll do is we'll give them a big breath, and then we'll actually pull it out. All right. So the tube is out. We have some supplemental oxygen here, just in case we need it. We put the nasal cannula on this baby and fix it. So the baby's breathing comfortably, actually. I'll just take a listen. All right. Sounds excellent. Still a few ronchi, so I think the baby has to cough a little more. And uh, so I think we've successfully extubated this child. We'll monitor him a little bit, but he should soon be ready to leave the ICU.
yes, we'll look for retractions and nasal flaring um, and tachypnea as well. So this concludes our session on mechanical ventilation. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.